Just like that, the final hour is here on this Thursday edition. Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow across the Outkick Network. Thanks to Josh Heupel for joining us earlier in the show. If you miss portions of the show, you can always go to YouTube. Check out uh, Outkick on the search bar. Subscribe while you're there and check out things on demand or live each and every day. 3 o'clock Eastern is our kickoff time. And uh, coming up in 20, 25 minutes from now, Shane Beamer, head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks, will join us from SEC Media Days. Today, show is the, flying by. The, the final day uh, for SEC coverage uh, here in town as they have the, the kickoff to the camps that are about to begin. And really, Chad, they set the tone for other conferences to more or less respond to in their opening remarks and statements that will happen next week. Yep, and now all the media will file their votes for uh, what, where teams will finish in the SEC, uh, for other preseason awards, and those will be out tomorrow. You can always tell the last day of SEC Media Days, too, yeah. because the media all looks just a little bit haggard by the last day. <laughs> Everyone's kind of walking around like, yeah, I need to get out of this city. As opposed to day one. a lot of people from out of town, you know, that's in Nashville. Day one, they're fresh as a daisy. <laughs> they're running around. They're eating the buffet twice. Everybody's <laughs> feeling great, drinking coffee, water. By day four, everybody is ready to GTFO. Yeah, that, it said well there. Uh, I think the best spot to be in is yeah. Josh Heupel's spot because he was the last one to go through the car wash. I think that's the best spot. That's when people are kind of trickling out, and it's probably the easiest time to get through is when you're the last one to go. Chet, uh, we just spoke with Armando last hour about this, Armando Soguero. Um, it has been approved. Washington Commanders are, are officially going to uh, sell to Josh Harris and his uh, limited partners. Uh, so Daniel Snyder is no longer an owner in the National Football League, and this was unanimous across the board they wanted him out they made concessions to whatever type of loan and funding that was a part of this this deal and I mean it is a bit funny when you think about you know he he didn't want to sell he ends up selling everyone wants him out and his going away gift it's not a punishment his gift is six billion dollars as if this is you know you know some slight to an owner they didn't want in the fraternity anymore Six bill to get out of here. Yeah, let's let's really recap what all's happened here. Dan Snyder took over a once very proud organization. He damn near ran it into the ground by mismanagement, by being a terrible NFL owner. And all that ended up happening to him was a few headaches, and he got paid $6 billion to walk away. So the joke is not on. Dan Snyder. The joke is on Washington football fans. That's where the joke's on throughout this whole thing. And now this is oh happy day for Washington, for the commanders, for their fans, and also for the National Football League because they don't have to deal with Dan Snyder anymore. And it seems everyone approves of, of Josh Harris also. He does seem, Hutton, like he's a good owner based on what he's done already with the 76ers. Yes. Uh, and they also, the league has also announced the findings uh, of the commander's investigation with Mary Jo White, the independent investigation that was going on, uh, that that was looking into misconduct and financial improprieties made by former employers or employees underneath uh, Daniel Snyder uh, and with the Washington Commanders. Sixty million dollars is the fine that Snyder will pay to the NFL in resolution of what Mary Jo White 
found in her report. So all, all details will be coming out soon on this. But they're finding $60 million. And keep in mind, this was part of like a ticket revenue deal, among other things, where uh, allegations where you're shaving things off the top and not and putting it into the coffers where you split that 32 ways. This said, uh, was taking money out of other owners' pockets. And that ultimately ended up being what led really down the path we're on. That and allegedly him leaking the Gruden emails. $60 million is not, not nothing. Um, but yeah. when you're especially making, when you have six billion, yeah, when you're making <laughs> six billion, though, it, it seems a little bit more like nothing. Uh, it, Saudi investment is not nothing to anyone uh, anymore. Uh, the PGA Tour showed us that after going in grandstanding for the last twelve months, we know they they they're merging with Live Golf. They took the money. They did, um, and the RNA at the Open. You got leadership saying uh, they won't. They won't necessarily say that they would not take Saudi uh, public investment fund financing in the near future, especially if everyone has their hand out and they're funding various aspects of the future of sports in many ways. You point to a, a number of things, certainly with what they've done with the PGA Tour, and now the Open is saying, well, why would we just turn down potential sponsorship dollars when everyone else is going to benefit from it, why would we not look into that option as well? Yeah, this is the right approach because the PGA Tour made it feasible, right, for, for anyone else to do this from a, a moral, ethical, whatever you want to call it standpoint. The business of it is so big and there's so much money at play that because PGA decided to put their hand out and take the money and merge with Live it's made it more acceptable now for other groups to do the same. So what the Open Championship is saying here essentially is if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for us too. And if we want to get rich off of it, that's what we're going to do. Yeah, I mean, it's not just sports either. You can look into the investments that the public investment fund has made. Just look into EA, Electronic Arts, or Uber, or Live Nation, and the other holdings that are in the the documents between this deep dive into the merger, the partnership, and the language behind the uh, the attorneys who are now you know negotiating uh, with uh, Capitol Hill over right now. Um, there's money everywhere out of this, and what it is, it's also uh, just not lying. That's exactly what the PGA Tour did, uh, and honestly, they grandstanded because they flew the flag and pointed to uh, patriotism. And then three people behind the scenes, including a man who had in the towel. 60, had, had, had a, a business, business the 104th floor and in the South Tower, I believe, and had 60-plus employees, friends, die that day on 9-11. And he's the one that's helping facilitate the deal with the Saudi-backed... Uh, public investment fund um but it's not just pga tour i think the lesson learned here is you just don't say you're not going to take the money when you do yeah it, phil mickelson did that yeah i think phil mickelson said hey i'm taking it because i'm going to provide change he's also got more than just pocket change because of it and that's what the rna is saying it's also to not react emotionally because i think a lot of what was said in this grandstanding was built on emotion with PGA, PGA yeah. Tour 
you know, Jay Monahan and uh, others on the board and then players, a lot of it was fueled by emotion. And when you act emotionally, oftentimes, you know, you don't get the outcome that you want. And the outcome here were these PGA guys looking like hypocrites in the end. Even ones who had nothing to do with the merger, the players, they look like hypocrites. Now they're playing for uh, a tour that is in part run by, by Liv. So that's the lesson in all of this. M- make sure before you want to go on a public stance and say something over and over that this will never happen and you're wrong yeah. and you're bad. If you take this money and you go to this tour, that you are never, you're, you are damn sure you're never, ever, ever going to take the money and do anything with that tour. And they weren't sure of that. Yeah, just like others have taken the, the bag. EA, Uber, uh, Meta, Starbucks. You have Microsoft, uh, Carnival Cruise Line, Costco, J.P. Morgan Chase. The list goes on and on. Upwards of 50 uh, where they've spread this $32-plus billion portfolio around. But when you stand up and fly the flag and then 12 months later turn around and do the opposite. That's, you look bad. There's yeah, no way around yeah. it. You look bad. And, and that's. Did you see what Ernie L said? No. He said, in my era, Jay Monahan would not be able to survive and be uh, the commissioner of the PGA Tour. We, there was no way he would stick around. I mean, I don't know how he sticks around now other than he cut a deal with the Saudis to keep his job in this merger because he wanted to keep it. He shouldn't be around. Well, I mean, but if you – the way they tried to PR push this was the – they still had the deciding vote, right? Three to two. The problem is, and the, the obvious uh, lack of transparency, is that Monahan's vote is purchased. It's really three to two the opposite way. Well, what Jay Monahan should, should have done is just, if he thought, hey, this is what we have to do to save the PGA Tour. You know, we cannot compete with this money. It's just going to get worse and worse, and we're going to dilute the product as a whole and I'm doing what's necessary to save golf the way we know it and continue to have the best tour possible. That's fine. That's business. You shouldn't have said all that stuff before, but clearly you changed your mind. I think this probably was the right business move for Jay Monahan. But the right move for the PGA Tour is to form this merger, say why it's the right thing to do, and resign. You can't be the one leading the PGA Tour with everything you said. That does not go away. So now the best thing for this PGA Live merger to have happen is for Monahan to move out and someone else to come in. Craziness. And uh, look, at RNA, the Open, they have the lowest purse of the four majors currently. And it's, it's, ri- a little bigger. and it's risen over the last three or four years, and it's still the lowest. And it's $16.5 million, but we've seen the others really jump up in recent years. Chad, uh, fair or foul? The Seattle Mariners are selling Toronto Blue Jays merchandise in their pro shop. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, is featured in the photo with Blue Jays gear. And here's the and, – and, and Seattle Mariners players are not thrilled with this. The reason why is they've got a big series coming up against the Blue Jays. If this weren't against their rival, against you know what, what they're trying to uh, push for, in uh, a playoff race, wouldn't we? I mean, if you go to any minor league park right now, you can get gear for any team. I don't think this is a story unless the Blue Jays are in town. 
And this is where it's uh, a bit confusing. I think it's good business. I mean, especially well, if you have a series where you think that a lot of opposing fans are going to come. And who just won the home run derby? Well, yeah, but all, but it just in, in, in general, like I'd be fine with an opposing. You know, th- I don't know they do this for every series, but every series you play, you should have. I think it's good business to put a little bit of gear of the other team in case visiting fans. That's the closest city they can get to, or they go to that game, well, and they want to buy something at the ballpark with their team on it and wear it, it a, or whatever. Then fine. But I think it goes against like common sense of putting gear in the hands of a fan base that would be joining to uh, to cheer against well, the yeah, home team. Yeah, but I mean, if they're going to be there anyways, like, you can't stop people from going to the game. I was watching the Rays-Braves series, and there was more Braves fans there than Rays in yeah. Tampa. It would have been smart business of Tampa to put some Braves gear in their pro shop that weekend with the amount of Braves fans there. They should allow more Rays fans there. It's only 25,000 at capacity because yeah. things are tarped off. But no, I, I don't. I don't have a problem with this. I think this is just commerce. It's a smart thing to do, especially if you've got. Hey, in Toronto, Blue Jays fans travel. Oh yeah, they've got a good. Well, uh, a you're good right fan there base. on the Canadian border too. Yeah, well, uh, which little, can help. Little ways away from Toronto, but yeah, well, but it is close to. I'm Canada, talking the country yeah. though. Yeah, it's close to Canada. That's their team. Yeah. Um, no, I have no problem with it. None well, whatsoever. And, and I think this is common, Yeah, if you're in though, Vancouver, I'm guessing you're probably a Toronto Blue Jays fan if you're a baseball yeah, fan. Yeah, and I think this is common based on uh, pro shops where you can find some gear. Like, you can go into an NFL pro shop and, fi- and buy a helmet of another team. You're not going to buy, you know, the uh, Patrick Mahomes jersey, though, if you're in Buffalo, you know? But if they're playing the Chiefs... Uh, you I, know, I, I don't... Look, you don't need to do that in Buffalo, okay? But I, I think with 162 games... That you're playing 81 home games. If you want to put some jerseys of the team that's playing there that weekend, have well, that. I wonder if this is just carryover from the so All-Star I say fair. Weekend. I say fair. All-Star Weekend as well. Although the hideous jerseys there are probably not selling. American well, I, I, again, I would make it a practice if I'm at any ballpark that gets a good number of traveling fans in it yeah. to put some – I'm not talking about half the store, you know, dedicated to the home team and half dedicated to the away team, but – Put some gear in and let people that come to the game buy it if they want. There should be Otani gear in every ballpark. There could be. And and could every, be a way for another team to entice them. They do, uh, all they sell uh, is Otani yeah, gear. Seattle was uh, mentioned there yeah. for Otani's landing spot. Apparently, it's not going to be the Dodgers though. What if the Dodgers have the best offer, and the Angels want to trade him? They would take a less offer to not send him to the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's also a National League team. I mean, it is the it, same. Yeah. It matters less now, I think, because everybody plays yeah. everyone, but it's still a National League team. I mean, it'd be a complete opposite side if you were ever to go to a World Series of you. Um, I, I think that's just kind of little little brother syndrome. I, I'm the Angels eager. That, town, that they, they don't want to even deal with the, the Dodgers. The John Hamer report at MLB Network saying that there is a there is talk within the organization that the drive, the home run chase for judges' record, which they're on pace, they're exactly, they each had 35 home runs through 95 games uh, last year and this year, Otani and Judge, that the, 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 the hype around that race would be more valuable than the prospects in return if you choose not to trade him at the deadline. Plus, you get packed ballparks uh, for an organization that's not going to be in a playoff hunt, uh, at least not likely. I still trade him, though. I get some value for a guy that's going to walk and get a mega deal and an ownership stake somewhere. 
To me, it's very simple with this. If you feel like you're not going to re-sign him, that you either don't have the finances to do it or he doesn't want to be there, trade him. That's simple. And I'm not even talking about where they are on the standings, anything else. That simple question. If you think you're not going to sign him to a long-term contract, trade him and get a lot in return right now. That's my advice to the, to the Angels. Well, and he, he's also mentioned he wants to win. He's thinking about that. Angels need to get what they can now yeah. or they're going to end up with absolutely nothing. Coming up, Shane Beamer will join us, head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks. And Stafford, speaking of contracts, Chad, he's got a long-term deal. He's not going to rework it. Final hour, Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow here on the Outkick Network. Great job uh, by our Outkick staff here in Nashville, uh, both in studio and over at uh, the hotel where SEC Media Days were taking place. Uh, Davey Hudson and Ryan Albanese uh, getting it done for us in the mornings whenever we've gone over there, Chad. Plus, uh, Trey Wallace producing great coverage there as well. It's a fun week. It's a big yeah. week. And those uh, guys did a really good job for and, us. And uh, earlier today, uh, Josh Heupel sat down with us. Typically, uh, not going to make a ton of headlines. Great chat today, though. And uh, you can check that out on demand on YouTube. Just search out Outkick. Uh, a, a coach, Chad, that we don't have to worry about in terms of uh, holding back, typically, certainly Lane Kiffin. And You've got to say, you got to say, whoa, and not go with yes. Lane Kiffin. And then in terms of energy and trying to continue down a winning path, there is South Carolina head coach Shane Beamer who had the chance to catch up with earlier today. Coach, this is uh, the time of year where coaches, administrators come in. It's uh, the art of saying nothing by trying to fill time. You're not one of those. Uh, Lane Kiffin's not one of those. Why don't we see more coaches just be open and honest about why they're here and what they're talking about, which is their team. Yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, for me, it's I enjoy it. I really do being able to be around you guys and other media members and talk Gamecock football. I love it. And um, and I want to be honest. That's one thing about me as a head coach. I'm going to be be who I am, I'm not trying to act like somebody I'm not and and uh, be, be a different person. So I enjoy this aspect of it. I watch this on television when I'm not here yeah. during the week. So to be here today, I'm going to enjoy it and try and answer questions the best I can and not be completely boring. <laughs> How much do you guys talk about momentum with those two wins there the season against Tennessee and Clemson? Is that something you built on in the offseason? Yeah, we talk about it. You know, uh, for us, it was great momentum winning those two games, the momentum that it carried into recruiting, into 2023 with our fan base, inside our facility, outside our facility, you name it. Great momentum. But probably more so than that is just, okay, we did these things. We show what we can do. Now we need to do it more consistently. Uh, there's a lot that we need to improve on honing in on that, where we need to be better as a program, uh, offense, defense, special teams, and then just trying to, uh, to do that as we build on that momentum. So how would you rate this year's parity preseason with um, you had the office <laughs> versus last year with full house? Yep. Uh, which was better and why? Uh, don't forget Soldier Boy. We had Soldier oh, Boy as well. well. Yep. You tell me. Uh, what? I thought the office was great. Yeah. But that's, I have recency bias with that. Yeah, Chad's a big Full House fan. So. I gotcha. Office was uh, was really good. I mean, I still got people coming up to me literally this week. I bet you I've had six people come up to me just talk about how awesome that was as well. Um, so that one's hard to beat, I think. Yeah. You know, Full House, I really 
I was a part of it, but I just had a brief little cameo in it as well. They're all good. Like anything that our creative media team does is going to be really good. So we're just always trying to just continue to raise the bar. What was the next option if you didn't choose the office? Do they present you with a couple different ones? Not really. Typically in that situation or in those situations, it's here's a video we want to do. Can you be here at this place at this time on this day? Yeah, and that's pretty much the extent of the conversation. So they really don't ever give me a uh, plan B, like, hey, do you want to do this or do you want to do that? It's uh, we're going to do this, and then here's what we want to do in a few months. Are you good with this? Stuff like that as well. I'm a big fan of the Olsen twins, so yes. I'm very biased. <laughs> yeah. It's a full house for me. Um, are we making too big of a deal out of NIL, being the doom and gloom and this harbinger of bad things for the sport? Um, no, I um, – I don't think it's necessarily a, uh, it's not a bad thing. I want, like we got three great young men here today and Spencer Rattler and Tonka Hemingway and Kai Kroger. Like I want to be able to have those guys be able to capitalize on their name, image and likeness. They're great young men. They've done great things for our football program and university. They've earned it. What um, needs to change though is NIL was never intended to be basically a recruiting inducement. And that's what NIL has turned into. It's just turned into <laughs> recruiting inducements and um, and there's a lot of things that we can certainly do to corral it a little bit and get it you know under control where it's a sustainable model because I don't know how sustainable it is right now the way things are going but I'm in favor of it and I've told our players all the time and I mean it like I'll I'll jump on a table and raise money with the best of them it'll help you guys and that's what I'm trying to do and we'll continue to do and and certainly like anything there's better ways of doing things and we're just trying to focus on how to do that. Thanks for being one of the coaches that brought your quarterback to SEC Media Days. And uh, good luck with the car wash. Hey, you brought your punter. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Exactly. Punter, quarterback. I caught all kinds of crap last year because I didn't bring the quarterback. <laughs> so I wasn't going to make that mistake again. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you guys. Thank you all. There's Shane Beamer, head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, Chad, uh, he's growing into one of my favorites to speak with. <laughs> he's got um, uh, a certain – Positive charisma about himself at all times. And he's climbing just, the ladder. You just feel like. Win-wise. Yeah, the guy's, you know, he's he's a legitimate dude, right? Like, he, that, that that's who he is. Like, you can make fun of it and say some of the stuff is corny that he does or whatever and him dancing and all that. That's who he is. Every time I'm around him, he's that sort of energy. He's that vibe at all times. Is Spencer Rattler going to bring that vibe that he had against Tennessee and against Clemson? Spencer Rattler year. is uh, way smaller than I expected yeah. when he was walking around. Now, granted, you know we were also seeing Joe Milton walk around. Well, that's how Oklahoma huge. recruits their quarterbacks. Yeah, and Joe Milton was, you know, he's he's gigantic compared to every almost every other quarterback. Cam so a little bit different. Joe Milton also is a little sli a slimmer than a year ago. I think he's listed now ten or fifteen pounds lighter than last year, and he looked a little thinner than he was a year ago. We'll see if that helps him. Um, I look. If you're going to buy stock this year on a surprise team to finish second in the SEC East, I would look at South Carolina as that team. A lot of people look at Kentucky. I don't buy it with Kentucky as much as South Carolina and Spencer Rattler. If Spencer Rattler can play anywhere close to the level he did against Tennessee and Clemson at the end of the year, that is a team that can, that can do some really good things this year. And – Shane Beamer's shown in two years he's overachieved. You know, by the end of both years, it, there's been some ups and downs, but by the end of the year, I would say year one and year two, South Carolina overachieved with him. Uh, he's not Sepp Blatter, uh, the 
former uh, FIFA president, but uh, Gianni Infantino is the, the president of FIFA with a rich and uh, just dumb comment pleading with New Zealand and Australia to buy up uh, women's World Cup tickets uh, that will get underway uh, to, uh, next week. And, in Chad, this is FIFA, full of corruption, scandal, bribery, uh, and everything in between, leaving empty stadiums in poor countries behind as they come in and build these monstrosities for this massive tournament, men or women, and then bolt after taking the money from the country that bribed them the most. You know, having Swiss, Swiss police raid hotels. Uh, what, was it 2015 or 2016 that all this went down? And now you have the president of FIFA pleading with New Zealand, saying, do the right thing and buy tickets. It's never too late. Uh, trying to convince people they have some moral obligation uh, to go to the Women's World Cup. Uh, this show stands on this. If you want to go to the games, go to the games. If you want to go watch uh, what is a good team, and you're a United States fan, the women's national team is really good, dominant. And so if you want to go, go. But this moral line. Do the right thing. Yeah. And this, not, is coming never, from, this is coming from FIFA and not like their own? It is the own. FIFA president. New Zealand, we want you. We need you. It's never too late to do the right thing. Come to watch the matches. We need full stadiums to warm us all up. Yeah, this, this, needs, this is a message that needs to come not from FIFA, which is, is rich and ridiculous to hear from them. It needs to come from the New Zealand Football Association or whatever their national team is, you know, whatever they're doing there. They're the ones who should be talking about, hey, get your tickets now. This is going to be a really cool event, right? It would yeah. be something involved with the U.S. women's that, national right? team if they were trying to sell tickets in America right. to an event, not FIFA, to get involved with that. Money laundering. That's a weird decision. Wire fraud, racketeering, and you have the president. Uh, it's a real hit list now, of all the oh, crimes, yeah. all, all the crimes. I mean, yeah. you, could, you could put murder on there with all the uh, migrant workers that were killed. Sure. For the, um, Cutter, the way, uh, for the Cutter World Cup. By the way, FIFA's bringing the World Cup here. Yeah. Just FYI. And uh, cities were clamoring on the bidding war. Oh, yeah. Nashville and was the one of them. The recruiting war of trying to win host spots for this same organization that's now pleading, please come watch well, and the matches. Well, after FIFA, I'm sure, was bribed by cities in different places to you know, get the World Cup. Now, now they're going to come back and say, do the right thing and buy the tickets when this World Cup comes to America yeah, also. No, no doubt. I doubt they'll have any problems selling tickets for that one. So uh, we, a story from Los Angeles with the Rams that we can relate to just here with Kevin Byard and the ask from the Titans to take a pay cut. He said no, he's not taking a pay cut. Matthew Stafford, of course, signed this massive contract whenever he was traded from Detroit to Los Angeles. And we know all the quotes and the tongue-in-cheek, you know, F them picks and Sean McVay winning. They, they got their championship. And now they're, they're hamstrung, roster-wise. They're not good. And they've made some moves recently that haven't panned out. They have really good players, just 
around those good players, they don't have a ton of talent based on how they're strapped currently. And Stafford has apparently declined any rework or restructure of his current contract. I don't blame him. I wouldn't either. Look at your Super Bowl ring. You got what you wanted whenever you brought him in. And there's no obligation that uh, a player should take the pay cut for a team that's not going to be good anyway right now. This isn't for 2024-25. You can do that in the offseason. If you wanted to do this, why would you do it at this current time? Yeah, you, I mean, you do it so you, know, you can sign a couple guys and help out the club so you can win five games instead of four. That's the way it feels. Because this is a team that's not going to be in the playoffs. And it does not look like they're going to win many games at all. So I, I, I would not do it either if I were Stafford. Now, if it was a question of, hey, help us out here. Let's restructure. We can go on a run. You know, we're a couple things away from doing that. You could really help us out. Okay. But he won them their Super Bowl, and he's still getting paid on that. So I, I got yeah. no issue with him not wanting to restructure. Well, what about his health? Remember, going into the offseason, there was some – the idea was they were going to consider keeping Mayfield around because they weren't really sure where Stafford was with his back issue. Yeah. Uh, David in the YouTube chat says, F them pay cuts. That's what Stafford is saying instead of those picks. But like, so I think the, some of the response would be, oh, what would Tom Brady do, right? What would you take more up front and some cash on hand in order to restructure your contract so that you're not affecting the cap and you're not taking money away from potential playmakers. Uh, Jalen Hurts with his new contract. Very low in, in terms of the hit against the, the salary cap for the Eagles. That allows them to continue to bring in talent. But the Rams have done so much uh, with recent trades, player acquisitions that have not gone well. Allen Robinson pops to mind immediately. Uh trading away, and then paying $10 million of the salary of Robert Woods a year ago. And, you know, there are other receivers, too, that they are paying that are no longer there. Point being, Stafford got his money. They paid him for the future with the idea that, oh, we'll just restructure his deal. No. I don't, I don't blame him in this instance uh, because of the time of year and the type of team they have. Yeah, it's, you know, Brady... Jalen Hurts, everything we're talking about, those are franchises that when these decisions were made were right there in the championship mix or on the verge of winning one. You know, Jalen Hurts got the Eagles to the Super Bowl this past year. Right. So, yeah, it's advantageous with that group they have and the window that's open to do something that's team-friendly. And Brady was always that way, but they were always in contention. Every time that was happening, it, the, the Patriots were in play for a Super Bowl. So this is just a very different situation. There's nothing. I mean, I, the Rams aren't good. So why? I'm just going to go ahead and make my paycheck, and we can just still be not good. That, 130 that's million what guaranteed. And I think part of this, too, is more than just trying to shed money. It's they don't know about his health status and the value currently. And they don't want – they can't take the hit if they – we're trying to move on. They can't trade this either because of the same concerns. Um, but whenever he got his deal, 67% completion percentage, nearly 5,000 yards passing, and they got the ring. Fans take that, right? Quarterbacks, head coaches, uh, I, take that. I think every single Rams fan would say that, yes. Are you as surprised as I am that 
we have seen the MLB rules work out in favor of the fans, the way that they kind of threw this together during spring training. And then they've been working it out. I don't know how much they listen to the players, but they have listened to the players. When we come back, Jed, let's discuss the offensive output, setting records let's that and, and performances we haven't seen since the 20s. Rules changes that worked. Next. Love it. Wrapping up a hot mic with Hutton Withrow here on OutKick. Glad you're with us. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Ehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. So the synopsis of the Mary Jo White independent investigation against the Washington Commanders and owner Daniel Snyder, more or less, he's fined $60 million by the league based on her report that substantiated and, and uh, more or less confirmed the sexual uh, assault allegations, I believe, that was part of uh, him rubbing the thigh of an employee at a dinner um, and uh, sexual misconduct there, plus how he had an employee skimming money off the top of ticket revenue that should have been shared into the league coffers that was held back. Both of those things. Um, and Florio's thinking like, does this provide a roadmap for a district attorney to just focus on Dan Snyder? Yeah. And that's what, look, perfect world, the NFL, that's what they're getting. is All the focus on him and the new ownership group getting to move on Unanimous. and do their business. Yes. Uh, unanimously voted in where there's no interference from the Snyder regime anymore. Chad, are you as surprised as I am that the Major League Baseball rules have worked to, to this high level? I mean, it's entertaining. I am, I am surprised. Offensive yeah. uh, numbers are up. I mean, it's the other night it, we saw teams reach a threshold of well, scoring. Well, games are manageable. But, yes. The, yeah. the game, I mean, I, I think it's not just runs up or you know any of that. I, I, I like, it's I just like a baseball. Good, it's a good I like runs game. too. But they're, they're moving you know, quicker. There's, there's more stolen bases. Uh, I love that part of the game also. Teams that can run. They can run the bases really well. That's exciting. We're seeing more plays on the bases like that. That's, that's exciting. Um, it's been great. It's, it's very rare that rule changes like this to this extent are pretty universally accepted as better for the game. And that's what we've seen. Now we're going to have you know the back and forth where players don't want the same pitch clock rules in the playoffs. They don't want to have some big incident in a playoff game. And, the, and the commercial breaks are a bit different there, too, right. I think is part of their point. But also, they just want more time. Yeah, which whatever. You know, whatever. Whatever you need to do in the playoffs. But regular season's been a lot better. Chad, you have a uh, question for Haley Carradine uh, hashtag, in studio? Hashtag Ask a Girl. Uh, Fast-growing segment on the show. Uh, Big Red chimes in on the YouTube page and says, Is Haley boycotting cowboy hats by being passive-aggressive? Or is she supporting them with her hat? Hashtag ask a girl. Haley, your hat, it says cowboy hat on a on like a trucker hat. Correct. What, what's going on here? I'm definitely not boycotting cowboy hats. I have nothing but love for cowboy hats. I have one, cowgirl boots. Um, coastal cowgirl is actually a very popular fashion trend right now, like beachy and western kind of 
put together. This Coastal is very asking girl. Is that what we would find on Broadway right now? This or? is like yeah, this is like the girl. Find... This is a little bit girl dinner also in inside baseball lots information. Of, lots of girl trends to break down, but Co- Coastal Cowgirl is the name of this trend. That is terrific. Chad, Chad also subscribes like he does to girl dinner. Uh, man dinner, and then he also has uh, Coastal Cowboy that he. You know what I'm gonna do tonight for dinner, Hutton? Go ahead. I'm gonna go home and eat an entire pizza. <laughs> I've got a frozen pizza that's got my name on it at, at the house, and I'm gonna go home. I am uh, currently batching it up right now. What is it, I'm Red gonna, Baron gonna, or it is DiGiorno. a Tombstone, okay. my favorite brand okay. of frozen pizza. That is not a girl dinner to just put in a pizza in the oven and it's eat a, the entire pizza. The cowboy pizza, right there. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing when I get home. So tell us more about Coastal Cowgirl. What what the, what the look it's is we're just, going for? It's just beachier sundresses mixed with a cowboy boot. It's really nothing groundbreaking, but yeah, nothing but love for. Cowboys, truckers, I'm repping them both at the same time. Sounds like an SEC tailgate. It does. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it's got kind of, a, it's got very much a sixth and Peabody theme to it, I feel like, here where yeah. we are every day. Now, would you ever consider wearing a cowboy hat that said ball cap on it? <laughs> Honestly, no, it doesn't hit the same. Yeah. Doesn't you just kind of just reverse cowboy it. Cowboy hat says straw hat. Reverse it, yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't hit the I just same. really confuse people. Dunce cap, and you're wearing a ball cap. You know, we'll wear something different every time. Do you, you have anything you else wear that, that one, Chad. states the obvious with it not actually being the thing? Like you're wearing a ball cap with um, it says cowboy hat. Can Is I wear a t-shirt that just says sweater on it? A t-shirt that says <laughs> and button down. And will that make me warmer if button it just down. says sweater? Yeah, button, button down on yeah. this t-shirt. Country western. I think uh, this is my only item like that. Does Coastal Cowboy also work? Although can I, I get do. Into this, can I get into this trend? Chad, Chad you can definitely it. be a Coastal Cowboy. It's really more oh. of like a, a vibe. So... Yeah. It's, uh, a, it's a whole join in. Oh, it's a. But it's something I have definitely that's a kind stripper of, vibe there, Chad. Yeah. Something I have that's kind of opposite. I Magic do have Mike. a pet cat named Birdie. Okay. So kind of like the opposite of what you'd expect. Yeah, you're kind of, you're you're a fan of opposites, is what I'm hearing. Absolutely. <laughs> um, if anyone else has a, a hashtag Ask a Girl, feel free hit us up on the YouTube chat, and uh, we'll we'll throw this out. As long as Haley's in studio with us, we might as well. Might as well utilize her talents about telling us <laughs> things like Coastal Cowgirl. Is, just uh, counting down the minutes until she's out of here uh, <laughs> for Hot Mike. We uh, all are. For sure. <laughs> it's not true. Uh, Chad, so uh, a Bills fan was able to uh, carpool with uh, Sean McDermott. That's a really cool story. Uh, while uh, traveling from Atlanta to Buffalo, where... Uh, he was there for like his son's baseball tournament, I yes. think, right? Like a travel yeah, well, ball he's tournament. A, he's a hockey coach, I believe, okay, or something. And uh, according no, to the Buffalo think, yeah, News, his, his, the, the guy he was with, well, I think Sean McDermott was there for his son's baseball okay, tournament. Gotcha. I, think, I think is what it was. So uh, he had a layover. Uh, the the fan, uh, Bills fan, uh, Jason Gunther, had a layover in Atlanta. But once he landed, he learned that his flight had been canceled because of a mechanical issue, and he was on standby. And I can imagine uh, being on standby uh, with fifty plus people waiting. Uh, is not ideal. One of them waiting was Sean McDermott. And you're right, he had been there for a softball uh, tournament with his daughter. And uh, they met there. Uh, they had uh, a brief uh, conversation. And then they agreed that they just wanted to get out of the ATL. Can't blame them on, in that regard either. So they teamed up. When they got the idea, they were going to fly to Pittsburgh and then rent a car and take it one way back to Buffalo. That's cool. 
I love that. That's awesome. The photo is great, too. The guy I took with McDermott in his car as, as he's driving, uh, I, I guess, a rental car that got to drive to Buffalo from Pittsburgh. Is this the, the, what would qualify as an, a dream uh, road trip for an NFL oh, fan? absolutely. Especially a Bills fan. Yeah. You're familiar with breaking tables and lighting things on fire. You've been there to observe this. I'm not saying you've very, done this. Very familiar, yeah. But you do have I've broken uh, a few tables in my You day. do have connections with uh, Bills fans, and I'm sure all of them would yeah, trade an arm is, for uh, the opportunity to I've be been, with their uh, favorite coach. My brother-in-law, PJ, is from Hamburg, New York, huge Bills fan, so I've met a lot of Bills fans over the years. I've been to multiple Bills games in Orchard Park with my brother-in-law and my sister, Michelle. And uh, I'm here to tell you, this is a fan base so fired up for the game, they drink so much before the game in the parking lot and then continue to drink so much once they get in the stadium <laughs> that they actually urinate in trash cans in the bathroom because they can't wait to get to a urinal. This is what happens in the men's bathroom in Orchard Park. So a fan base with that level of passion and ability to get after it, you know a member of Bill's Mafia is going to be thrilled to have a road trip impromptu road trip with their head coach, Sean McDermott. Really cool story. It makes me – these are the types of things that make you like a coach more. Like now I like Sean McDermott more having heard this story. Jed, uh, Greg Olson's awesome. Uh, he is – he has a fear that I think most – I think most meteorologists would have, and that is on a, a telestrator drawing a, a phallic – uh, a tornado penis. Yes. That's, essentially. Or, or just uh, anything resembling that could and then having to stop what you're doing because you realize what you're doing. He has yeah. a real – this is his number one fear of being live on air and describing a play and then having that on, on the screen. I can see why this would uh, be in the mind of someone that's learning the, the Telestrator. He's done a great job. I have – I need to take a picture of this tonight at home – we have a little, uh, it's like a roller coaster uh, for my youngest daughter. And you can put it up on the hill in my backyard and they, they go down it, right? Well, it's got like a little step up on the side and then it's got a slide that goes out, okay? Okay. So when you put this in the yard, like it looks like we've tried to put a male organ in the yard where it's, it, it doesn't grow grass, right? It's, in, it's next to my house in the yard and it is just a perfect replica of male genitalia that is in the yard. If I move the slide, it's just dead grass in the shape perfectly of full male genitalia in my yard. So I may have to take a photo of this if it's not raining when I get home <laughs> so I can show you guys what I'm talking about. But I'm always looking at it like, man, th they really did not do a good job planning the way this thing's going to look if you just set it in the grass in the yard. You know what they're thinking? Because it's your neighbor's. Chad is, he's Coastal Cowboy right now. <laughs> yeah. He's really gone into this Coastal Cowboy look, this Magic Mike, uh, <laughs> this new Magic Mike trend. He's going all in. I just show up tomorrow on non-air, no shirt. That's the new, that's the new trend. We're going to do a shirtless show before it's all said and done. Huddle. With a tattoo that just says shirt. Yeah. <laughs> in Magic Marker, it's going to say <laughs> parka across my chest. Chad, I, I would describe SEC Media Days and the... The vibe is this. There are a lot of... Coastal Cowboy? Yeah, well, that was on Broadway. That was rained out earlier this week. Yep. Um, they have a lot of powerful people in, across college football there. Nick Saban uh, is among the coaches. Kirby Smart. 
And then, of course, Greg Sankey. Those guys are all pointing to, we need rules. We need regulation on name, image, likeness. We're wanting federal legislation. The, the guys that would be able to determine the framework and an idea of what it should be aren't giving us any possible solutions other than just pushing the paper across the table for federal legislation. I'm fascinated by that because Sankey controls where we're headed in the future of college football and the NCAA tournament, which he told us yesterday. And why turn it over to people that don't really know much about the sport at hand or the wide open free-for-all, free agency that was allowed due to lack of leadership at the NCAA level? They don't have many solutions. They have complaints. And I think that is why I, the whole takeaway for me is they're nowhere close. They're, they're nowhere close to getting anything done because they're not going to do it, at least not publicly say it. And we're years away from having any agreement on a bill that could be passed for federal uh, legislation. There's also reports out, by the way, that the NCAA really wants to start penalizing those that are going by their state NIL laws and not abiding by NCAA rules. They're going to start looking more into that. But what? But that that is, if Greg Sankey or anyone in charge of college football wanted to do it, they could outline the rules. And they could just say, look, NIL's new. Some states are going to have certain allowances. Other states are going to have other allowances. But if you want to play college football at the Power 5 level, here's the rule book. And if you step outside the rules, it's like anything else. You get caught, there's going to be consequences for getting caught breaking those rules. I, I think if they wanted to do that, they could. But instead, they're going to wait on federal government to come in and hold their hand and have a federal law that's going to dictate to them how they move forward with NIL, pay for play, all of that stuff. Nowhere fast, right? It's just not, and it's also probably not going to be that good. Exactly. I just don't think what they're yeah. going to come up with is going to be that good. Give us rules to follow. What Maybe if we'll not have good? someone. What if they're not good? Next week in politics, uh, you that know can what? tell us why it's good. But I, I, I'm not optimistic. The, the other thing too is it, the same NCAA that was thinking about a bowl ban after a three-year investigation into the University of Tennessee, the state of Tennessee threatened to do what? Sue them. Yeah. To ignore it, the bowl ban. So what are they implementing? Well, you know? that's and again, there's the, no one leading. The NCAA needs to be blown up, you know. But they they could do that. They could say your state laws don't matter. These these are the rules of playing in this league and playing college football. So you got to abide by them. I just wonder what's happening behind the scenes. The guys who could blow blow it up are passing the paper across the table, or it, are they just wanting that perception? Join us tomorrow. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow, three o'clock Eastern here on Outkick.